Did you know that most women would rather talk about their own death than their finances? Well, we're here to change that. Welcome to Bixie Speak, where we speak honestly about money and share our personal journeys of making it, losing it, and investing it. We focus on real-life situations that affect us, women living in cities all around the world from Bangkok to Bangalore. You know, we're just out here trying to live our best lives, but in order to do that, we have got to turn our finances around from being obstacles to living our dreams to becoming opportunities to make our dreams a reality. In each episode, we tackle a typical life event in the life of an urban woman the world over and the role that money plays in helping or harming our situations. We'll invite guests to share their experiences from mating and money to marriage and money, all the way to fertility and our finances. Nothing is off limits. I'm your host, Rosali Gatau, CEO of Bixie, a financial platform aimed at helping women take control of their finances and live the life of our dreams. Full disclaimer, though, we are not Bixie, nor Bixie Speaks is not a financial advisor and does not provide financial advice. We're an education platform. Learn more about us and our community on www.mybixie.com or download the Bixie app on Apple Store or Google Play. Welcome to the wonderful world of Bixie. So let's get into it. Today, we are tackling family and finances. Yes. For those of you who can't see our guest's reaction, it's one of profound discomfort. Why? Because this is probably going to be our most controversial episode to date. For those of you who are Filipinos, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the incessant borrowing, the unpaid loans, the land disputes, the gossip, the drama. From Mumbai to Manila, finances and family are intricately tied. And beyond just the nuclear family, especially where we all live here in the global south. So, on today's episode, we're going to talk about our own journeys, navigating our financial journeys with our families. <laughs> and no better person to talk about this than with my own family member, uh, Bill Gattel. Welcome, Bill. Hello. Hello. Bill is an amazing woman, lawyer, entrepreneur, fashionista, K pop fangirl based in the Philippines, and she's also family. So once again, welcome to the show. Okay. <laughs> she's Can literally I... squirming in Can discomfort. I... Can I go? I think I have a meeting. <laughs> yeah. So the studio's locked. So let's just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to rip the bandaid right off. What role does money play in the dynamics of our family? And before I start, actually, allow me to give a little bit of background. So one boy is my little sister. Um, and we share both same mother, same father. And uh, we are very much manifest from the global south. Our mother is from the Philippines. Our father is from Kenya. And navigating all of those dynamics of family and finances, this has literally been a global challenge for Womboy and I, who've often found ourselves caught in the middle of a lot of this. So this episode really is about family with a capital F, the big family. 
the cousins, the aunts, the uncles, the everybody, right? We will have a set, another episode that focuses more on the nuclear family. But for today, we're going to be focusing on family with a big, big F. <laughs> so what role has money played in the dynamics of your family with a big F and by extension, my own family? <laughs> What's been the money that it has played, the role that money has played in that dynamic? You can start with easy words. Happy. <laughs> sad. <laughs> no, I mean, it's generally okay. It's generally okay. okay. And it's it actually provided, you know, like a lot of, you know, like needs and also comfort to everyone. I have to be honest with that. And I, I grew up in the Philippines with our, you know, uh, Filipino grandparents. And they actually like provided for me, mm-hmm. especially when I was really young. And uh, to be honest, um, you know, we weren't like like the affluent like family in, in the north, but I can say that money wasn't really like you know like a, like a struggle. Mm-hmm. Like so um and um this has uh, actually like affected you know me in in a lot of ways as well. And I, I of course this um this uh relationship with money that our grandparents have um, affected like the entire family so it affected mm. like my dynamics with money <laughs> the other people's dynamic with money dynamics with money like you know our, our aunts or other cousins so mm. um it i could it, it wasn't like easy like mm-hmm. but it's generally it's um it it has given me um a sense of uh comfort yeah yeah what would you say that when you know you talk about like the our grandparents relationship with money uh our grandparents you know for for those in the audience are are rice farmers and have had the same rice farm passed down from family to family for hundreds of years um and and they you know i have i have my right when you said that that they have an interesting relationship with money so many of my money habits were actually informed by their dynamic with money mm-hmm. um, and not just them themselves, but their dynamic as farmers and yields with money because on our Kenyan side, same dynamic. Mm-hmm. Kenyan grandparents were also farmers. So I learned a lot of like my relationship with money from ha- their relationship with money, which was there's no- two things. There was a direct correlation always between hard work and money. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So that yes. was always really ingrained from day one. Yes. And number two, like all things with harvests, there are times of plentitude and times of scarcity. Mm-hmm. So you always had to plan your money like annually. Oh, wow. Yes. As opposed to oh, it's payday, big day, let's mm-hmm. spend it all. It's like yes, on on harvest day, you know, with the pilau, like sure, it seemed like you had a lot of money, mm-hmm. but when you break it down into twelve months. Mm-hmm. You, it, it was, you know, enough to pay obviously the bills. So I, I kind of, I feel like I still, even though, you know, you and I have had careers that are vastly different than being yeah. agricultural farmers. I think we have a little bit of those relationships too. Like really hard work translates to earnings yeah, and being cautious of like times of like abundance and times of scarcity and planning for it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I still hold that to my heart to this day. Mm. Like, uh- Sorry, but I'm not a staunch believer in like working like, oh, I should just work smart. Stop working hard. <laughs> it's always been work working hard for me. Like, you know, I, yeah. I'm the same, but I also know that a lot of the research indicates that like 
strategic working is also really important. And yeah. for me, I find it really difficult to balance because, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I, I think, well, get up at five in the morning because our grandfather gets up at five in the morning and, you know, you put in the 14 hours or 16 hours and, and you'll reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And do you still think that applies in a modern financial mm-hmm. economy? Like, I, don't, I look around and I see a lot of people just doing something on TikTok and, you know, <laughs> reaping quite a lot. And I right? think our, particularly our younger listeners mm-hmm. see that and they don't think I'm going to go put 14 hours on a farm. They think I'm going to go put 15 minutes on TikTok and reap a lot more than um, what I sowed. Um, of course, there's, there are changes because, you know, before there's no like public transportation, there's no like internet, but now, you know, there, there are things that make life more convenient mm-hmm. things that make life easier like you know a car a drive will mm-hmm. be less than you know walking with a or like riding a car about in the farm you, you know those <laughs> stuff and of course we have to take advantage of those things but at the end of the day for me it's still like putting on like hard work in there like yeah, putting on yeah, like yeah. thought your brain your heart your soul into it and that just ah oh, this will work for me i i don't like working that way like mm, this is fine this is enough mm-hmm. or like mm, i'm gonna work smart today i'm just gonna put in 20 minutes if i have to put like 15 hours today i will but you know there are days like okay i just have to like work for eight hours or six hours then that would work and i think even those like digital creators Mm. on youtube or tiktok oh yeah a lot of them work a lot of them like work really because you know Mm. the editing taking of the videos i i cannot even I think usually videos of food <laughs> that nobody nobody's has, asked for. That nobody's asked for, but that's it. I cannot like go out there and take videos and then edit it, make it to like, you know, like profitable content. It also at the end of the day it's all also hard work. You're so yeah. right. Look at look at you defending Gen Z. <laughs> Millennials out here defending Gen Z. Look at me. Being a TikToker is also hard work. You heard it here. Um, I really like what you said, because, you know, right, you know, obviously I opened with whenever we think about family and finances for all of the people who live in the global South. So Asia, Africa, Middle East, we think of the drama. Mm-hmm. But you just pointed out that the first thing you thought of was actually the ethos you have in like how to acquire money yes. and how to treat it. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of us can relate to that. You know, most people who do live in across Asia or across Africa or across the Middle East you know, most of our grandparents were farmers. Like we're yeah. about two generations, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're probably like the first or second generation of office workers, right? Yeah. So I think that we do still very much know and acknowledge mm-hmm. like the hard work that was put in, yeah. you know, s- to get that education so that we could sit behind computers all day and complain about it. Just kidding. So we can appreciate <laughs> that sitting in front of a computer is not backbreaking work. So I like that, you know, you you talked about the ethos, the ethics that you learned about from your family about money. Um, Now, conversely, I'd ask what role has our family (laughs) played in your dynamic with money? So you talked about like how they influenced you positively. um, But like, how else have they played a role in money with you? Hmm. With how I treat my money right now or yeah. how I earn my money? Both. I mean. um, um, aside from the hard work, uh, I think it's also like, because I, 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 I also like hustle hard. <laughs> yeah, you do. And, 
and that's one thing I learned from you know in the family as well. Like it wasn't just when our grandfather was out there farming. Our grandmother was also like she has like tens, twenties, or whatever of like poultry. Yeah. Up. Um, chickens, yeah, yeah, yeah. pigs, like whatever. Like, there's always she always had those like extra hustles, multiple income streams. Exactly. Like since mango. since 1918, <laughs> there's mango trees, there's corn, there's like a lot of things happening. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, she has she had like six kids. Yeah, she had like I don't even know how many are we like grandkids <laughs> with her, but you know she. She had time to like manage this and that, this and that. It's true. How I don't exactly. understand exactly, <laughs> and and that's how I view things. That you know, when I'm, I I I think that oh, this is so hard. Like all oh, my contract isn't working. I always like go back yeah. to that. Like if <laughs> if these people like in my um, earlier generations were able to put up something totally with, right, then I probably can finish this. Moa by you know twelve midnight tonight. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's and, yeah. and and also how I treat like you know like income. It it, it it affected everything and yeah, like you said, creating multiple multiple sources of income. Even though you know it doesn't yield like you know a mil- oh, I should I I always remove that in my head that you know if I start something that can create me just even just a tiny income. Yeah. You know, that still pay for my grocery, my electricity bill, or my parking area. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is so true. I think often, and I hear this a lot of people, they're like, I need to be making more money. And they overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. And it's like one is more than zero, and two is more than one, mm-hmm. and 10 is more than one. You mm-hmm. don't need to go into financial modeling about like, is this even more worth it than something else? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the key really is just to do something. Yeah. I think another really key thing that both sides of our family, the Kenyans and the Filipinos, really played with when it comes to me and money uh, was the importance of asset ownership mm-hmm. and the importance of not being in debt. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really like for me to feel financially safe, mm-hmm. I needed to own outright no mortgage a house Mm -hmm. like somewhere where me and my family if everything goes to crap we can live in it we can you know grow some food on it if we need to and we can survive that was such a important that was such an important important part of my whole thinking Mm -hmm. and it became even more apparent during covid when actually all the world ground to a halt Mm -hmm. and you had to ask yourself do you have what it takes to survive. Do you mm-hmm. have shelter and do you have food? Mm-hmm. And that was the first time our generation has really been confronted with that. Whereas our grandparents' generation, I mean, this was every day, right? Right. Um, so that was a really, that was something that was very particularly different about like, I spent so much of my time in the States and most people never even thought about like just owning a piece of land or a piece of house outright. They're always like, oh no, mortgage, all this stuff. And I was like, no, no, no. I just want to own the house and the land. And then I'll feel like more secure. And that is very much, you know, the, 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 the attitude and approach to money of our, our, of our grandparents on both sides of farmers, right? Own the land, yeah, owning a land, be able to survive on your own. Yes. Owning a land and, you know, not paying mortgage on it. Yeah. I, I even remember that they used to pay like land with, with like actual right, cash. Right, cash. <laughs> so yeah, it was, 
looking back, it's like, oh my god, there was no bank transfer before. There yeah. was like, I don't think they even like considered checks, but I saw them like transacting. Cash you know, quit. Like, paper, like <laughs> writing on paper. Yeah. And there was this lawyer who was like notarizing things. And they were like exchanging a title with like, some cash. Yeah. So yeah, it's always been like that. Like owning something is very important. Owning the asset. Yes, yeah. Owning the asset and owning you know like a backyard with like food with like yes food, yes and keeping like sacks of rice in yes. the barn so yeah, all those that all, all yeah. those things and you know simple as it may seem but like you mentioned during covid mm-hmm. what did we need a house you needed sacks of rice <laughs> and a house and some food and maybe internet and maybe we? a little bit of internet no yeah. it's absolutely true mm-hmm. yeah no that was that was a really i think pivotal moment for a lot of people in our generation, because what we started to see as millennials, we started to see a huge exodus of our age group yeah. leaving cities mm-hmm. and going and finding that exact rural life, mm-hmm. right? Growing, that's a huge mi- outward um, migration trend from away from urban areas, because they realize like, guys, I'm kind of on my own. And obviously, I don't want to be alarmist to any of our listeners out there. It's not that you're on your own, of course not. But I think so much of financial freedom and financial um, a financial journey is also being aware that like, am I able to stand on my own two feet at any given time? And if my answer is no, what is it going to take to get there? Um, because life happens, things happen. We were, I think, are we still living through the pandemic? We might still be living through Maybe. it. Who knows? Um, and what, what am I going, what, what am I going to do? Like if, or when these things happen, like what is my plan? And yeah, I think people like, learning that lesson from people who literally build homesteads is it's, yeah. it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. And so, I just want to add to in your question earlier, what what um, has the family played? What role has yeah. the family played when um, it comes to money? I don't know if you remember, but Ina would always tell, our grandmother would always tell, don't be lazy. Be oh my God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's always in my head. Don't be lazy, be industrious. And and she would all, always tell that, you know, if you feel like lazy, go look at the ants and look at their ways. Because, you know, the ants store food during the, the, the summer season. So I the- just had an epiphany. Do you know that I sometimes go outside to look at the ants? Um, and I do this to contextualize myself that, like, Mother Nature, like, I am but another thing mm-hmm. in nature. And we're busy. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. Mother Nature's like storing food. They're doing things. Mm-hmm. They're building. Yeah, yeah. They're, she says they are storing um, food during the summer season so that during the rainy season they will have something to eat. Yeah. I always <laughs> see. I'm 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 almost forty years old, but it's still in my head. So Enang is always in our heads. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so yeah. Um, in order to have money, it's not that you know if you're if you're uh, you know there are of course there are other factors of like you know like. Yeah having like a sufficient income of having course. a living wage there's a lot of factors and i don't want to like undermine these factors but she always says don't be lazy and i personally i apply that in my in my life 100 percent. and yeah. i've seen and i'm sure you've seen to like you know like people who are who we really know like close to us who who <laughs> who have you know like moved away from that from that advice <laughs> and it wasn't a nice very diplomatically yeah. put yeah. moved away yeah what like, was the actual statement that Inang used to always say lazy people don't eat yeah. that was her fa- famous phrase I mean the the term industrious she said it so much that it literally 
is stuck in my husband's mm-hmm. vocabulary now. He's like, I'm a good husband. I'm industrious. Right? <laughs> because my Enang says it so much. Um, so you just tapped on the uncomfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. we do have members in our family. Some members of the family, in every family, heed the lessons of our super industrious grandparents, right? Like, all of us know that. And then there are other members of the family who choose a different path. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the unique differences between families in the global South and families maybe in like Western countries is family in the global South is the big F. Mm-hmm. So it's not just mom and dad and kids. It's mom, dad, kids, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, it, it, literally everybody, cousins. every like <laughs> neighbors, oh, neighbors <laughs> like you are. And, and the thing is, it's not just rhetoric. Like there is this responsibility that we all have to each other and the challenge is where does that responsibility begin and end so when one of our you know first cousins calls and says hey my daughter needs help with school fees i have to ask myself you know okay like is that something is that my responsibility um, and even if it's not my responsibility, is that something that I c- I should be contributing to? And this is something when I was living in the West, people like that's, that's unheard of. Like, why would you pay for your cousin's kid? That's like your second cousin, because it's not your second cousin in the Philippines and even Kenya, like your first, your first cousins are basically your siblings. Mm-hmm. They're that's the relational equivalent of your siblings. So it, it's not that they're kids are your second cousins, their kids are your nephews and nieces. Yeah. And so there is this extension of responsibility. And it really is, especially because sometimes our families are so big. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to navigate when, like, when is enough enough? And I know, particularly in the Philippines, and I'd like you to speak to this, like, it, there's so much pressure on Filipinas, on Pinais, particularly, like, your friends, you, like, professional, you know, decent wage earning, living in the city. (laughs) You know, we're all on Facebook and Instagram and our families are watching the whole thing. (laughs) And they're like, I just go, if you have enough money to go on that holiday, you have enough money to pay for your third cousin's second operation on his toe. Really? And then they will straight up DM you and give you the guilt trip and all of this thing. So I know this is, this is a real struggle and it has, it, it has really like devastated the finances of a lot of young women. Like they're never able to save enough. They're never able to invest enough because their family's literally like taking everything. So that, you know, what, like, what, how would you say, like, where is the line? Where does, to whom does your responsibility extend? And where's the boundary? And how do you create boundaries? Cause I think of the, particularly the Pinais out there who are listening, they're like, tell me like where, you know, and we feel like there's a, there's a number of uh, more passive aggressive tactics you could use, <laughs> like not responding to phone calls or not responding to DMs. But let's, let's pretend we want to have like, uh, you know, open communication with our family. Like what's the boundary one boy? Mm, you know, I, I, I started after law school. I mean, I didn't have any money. Like I had to start like really, really with nothing. So like everything was like on a budget, like everything, like, you know, like at the outset, I know what I can afford and what I cannot afford. And everything was like really tight. Yeah. 
And during that time, of course, I cannot really like like loan out something, you know, because I have a tight budget and this is my budget and I live in the city and it's not really cheap to live in the city even before like that was 10 11 no manila is expensive yeah it's it, it's quite expensive and then maybe like two three years in the job and you know like when 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 you move to a different office and they give like a better compensation package with you know with some perks and all and then you feel like oh i have some disposable cash. income yeah i have this disposable income because you know i'm single i'm i don't have a child and I don't really live life like lavishly, you know. Like I like I like nice things um, occasionally, but you know, not not like the. No, I'll so, attest you're reasonable. <laughs> so you know, I have oh, I have extra money, and then I think I'm not sure if that was a mistake or just let's let's call it a lesson. Whenever somebody would like ask for something, and I know that I have disposable income, it would be very easy for me to just give it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's fine because, you know, I know that I'm okay with my job and I'm, I'm quite secure with my job. So I know that I will not be sacked anytime. So it's fine with me that, you know, I'm going to earn this anyway next yeah. month or something. But then, like later on, when I started to like, you know, I want to build my, myself. Yeah. Like it, it, it was more difficult now to like take public transport. Yeah. So I had to like, it was for me, it was really like a tough decision if I should get a car or not because disposable income will go to that car. Yeah. And then, you know, but I, I actually um, I actually put in a down payment first for my condo and then, you yeah. know, like after two years, I think, or one year, no, two years, I got like a car. So the the bills, the, the salary was increasing, but the bills were also like increasing. Yeah. By and, the way, they call that lifestyle creep. Right? <laughs> and... I, of course, I cannot be homeless. <laughs> no, no, no. But your yeah, lifestyle yeah. crease wasn't like, oh, I'm buying new designer bags. You, yeah, were, yeah. you were very, I mean, uh, you know, kudos to you. You started buying a property very young. Most people don't do that. Like, And yeah, I think it worked for me because now um, it, it's like twice, thrice yeah. the prices. So, so yeah. So, you know, the salary increase, this and that. But then the disposable income starts to like shrink. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know. There's this and that. You have to pay insurance for your car, for Oof, your house. Yeah. You know, all those things like adulting, like we call the millennials call it adulting. And I'm not complaining because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I can, yeah. that I can, I, 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 I have the provisions to do these things. But what I, what I realize <laughs> is that it's not very like easy for me to like, you know, if, if somebody asks me, Hey, can you lend me like 50,000 pesos? I would like whoa, that's that's like a lot. I would yeah. be shocked, or like even like thirty thousand. That's like it, yeah. it's it's shocking because I would have to cut on these things, yeah. and there are things that you cannot cut because yeah. you know your your checks will bounce if you cannot deposit yeah. for your mortgage or something like that. And um, there has been an ongoing talk for a long time already because uh, I think I mentioned to you before that my church actually in the Philippines has a very healthy discussion on finances, mm. and one of the speakers would actually talk about the sandwich generation. Like you mentioned, hmm. like, you know, millennial women with, you know, careers or single or even married in the metro. Um, they are usually called the sandwich generation because they have to provide for mm. their older generation, their parents, their cousins, their sisters, siblings or whatever. And then now they're actually 
um, when they start a family or you know start yeah. to build their career, they're sandwiched between the older generation and the next and generation, and also pay, paying for their kids and also paying for themselves. Mm. And sometimes they can no longer like you know like they're so financially distressed mm-hmm. because being in that sandwich generation yeah. is so hard because you actually you're actually budgeting for like three groups of people: mm-hmm. your older generation or your like extended family, and then you. And then your kids or whatever, like Yikes. you're you're yeah. you're, you're uh, paying for. So the the that's I think that's the number one cause of financial distress. And even though you're already a middle um, middle income middle manager in the Philippines, and it's not really the the salaries in 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 my uh, in my country isn't actually like really huge. Yeah. So you really have to do like you know budgeting just to you know like save here and there even you know just small amounts so um for me what i learned from that is that i don't want to put myself in a position i still want to be generous of yeah, course like yeah, yeah. whatever i can i will like mm. whatever i can help with i will but um i also don't want to put myself in a position that in one year or in two years i will be like oh my god i don't have any money left for mm. you know like to pay for this or to pay for that or if i have a lump sum coming up i will like you know like panic or i don't want to put myself in a situation um like that so yeah. what i'm doing right now is you know like i still i i still practice generosity but i also consider first you know like um it should be in my budget yeah it should be in my budget like how much can I dispose this month? Or how much is my... I usually call it my happy money. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like a small amount that can be like, you know, if I like a nice dress or an, a nice shirt or whatever, I can I can freely use that without being like guilty about it. But I... And I'm trying to put it there. Yeah. So, you know, you can, you can still be generous with this particular amount without being like, you know, like... Because I also feel bad when, when I... When I when sometimes when somebody asks me for like financial help, especially when you know that they're actually like need financial help, so that putting it on a budget, practicing generosity, but putting it within your budget. And mm-hmm. number two, I think, um, um, what else? I, I, I forgot. You mentioned budget. Okay, so budgeting for generosity. Um, but we had also had a conversation about finances and faith on Mm -hmm. another episode Mm -hmm. and you'd mentioned planting in good soil yes of course so it's not just okay which is great like when you are you want to be generous with your family your family is an important part of life Mm -hmm. but don't do it to your detriment is what you're saying and make sure that you actually have a budget for it Mm -hmm. so budget your happy money line and that could be you know your concert tickets your whatever like all of it Um, and part of that can be this month, I'm going to be really generous and take one of my cousins to a concert. Um, so I think that's really good advice, but what about, what about like, what about if like, you just don't feel like giving money to a particular person? Like, what do you do? Then I don't. (laughs) (laughs) No, because generosity should come from the heart. You know, when I, when you give something that you you should also, there's also, there should also be joy in your heart when you're giving it. And not like, you're like. Uh, how to give her salary like a hundred dollars why you know you know it, 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 it should be like but from- do you think it's that easy come on you've been in some <laughs> you've been in some situations where it's, no, it's like let's be real with everybody it's you know chismosa is real yeah. gossip is real like 
sometimes being in a family feels like being a diplomat. Like you have to balance a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So beyond obviously, which is great advice, you know, give with joy in your heart. What about those situations where you're being really pressured that despite what the joy in your heart is saying, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's like, you have to do this thing. What do you do? You know, this is coming again from my my perspective as a Christian. Um, (laughs) It's actually, this was actually preached in my church so many times. And it's actually true that when usually, um, you know, like if I get asked for you to loan something or to like to uh, to to loan to lend rather when you when you when you lend it's in the bible you actually make the borrower your slave so i don't know um i I don't know if this will also work for others like for instance like hey i need like ten thousand pesos or like twenty thousand pesos for this and that and our leaders would say that, you know, instead of like lending, mm. think of an amount that you can actually give, you know, even without mm-hmm. them paying you back. You want to know why your preacher says that? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is when you lend to your family, you often don't get paid back. Mm-hmm. So it's better to just write it off so it doesn't cause exactly. any just, like, hey, you're going to pay me back. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to pay me back. No, no, just just write it off. Because that's definitely been my experience when I've lent to members of or different members of our family. I always give the amount that I don't mind if it ever comes back because um to be honest, it never has. <laughs> and because that's the reality, right? So it's I think like that advice is is good for two reasons. It's good because you won't stress out about it because you're not like, where's my money? Like texting every week and no, you just you let it go. Um and and your family member is able to get the thing that that they need. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and again, it starts with the beginning part is how much can you give? How much can you give? Even if you don't want to give generously, even if you don't want to give with joy in your heart, if you're like, look, this is what's necessary. This is what's required of the situation. Mm-hmm. What's realistically something you can give yeah. without it affecting you too much. Yeah. Without, without, you know, like stressing me out. Yeah. Without stressing, well, yeah. stressing you out. Oh, there's going to be so much controversy. I hope none of our families listening to this. Just kidding. <laughs> um, do you think, do you think we should set boundaries with family? Like straight up at the outset. So I'm going to be, I probably shouldn't be this honest, but I'm going to be honest. The boundary I generally set is I just don't lend family, like money to family. Um, because unless I'm willing to just give it away, if it's not an amount that I can just give away, I just won't do it. Um, because I don't want the, the, any, the drama mm-hmm. to ensue. And, and like, like rightly point out, like if it's too much for me to be like, yo, that's, that's actually going to make an impact then I just can't do it. Um, are there any boundaries that you've set? <clears throat> boundaries in families are so- easier said. <laughs> <laughs> easier said than done it's even it's it's way easier to put like boundaries on plots of lands you know? <laughs> but it's it's actually very difficult especially for asians you know that like for, i you know, know. So asians in general you don't you don't say things you just you know sometimes you just ignore each other or just like <laughs> pretend that nothing's happening you know like those things and and also it's not just not just race not just culture but also like a generational thing yes it's also like it's not 
like uh, our older generations, I know this. I mean, I don't want to speak like you know broadly or what. Like like everyone. I, I'm not sure. I don't think it applies to anyone, but the level of like openness yes. and communication that we have in our generation is not the same as the <laughs> openness or willing to communicate level of those who are in the in older generations. And I've actually experienced, you know that like you know you just want to say something like it will it uh, sometimes it, they receive they don't receive it like in a positive way they feel like ah oh, you just don't want to land or ah oh, you just want to do this i and yeah i hate the feeling of you know like that because you know it's not that i don't want to <laughs> it's just that i cannot afford right yeah. there's there's a difference of that and and yeah and um and in 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 situations like that boundaries are so difficult to like to like specify from the outset yeah but i think little by little like this this is what well, this is what i can afford at yeah. the moment and if this is what you can afford at this point then i don't think we can do anything about it and you know like we we're willing to help this is the amount that i'm willing to help with but outside of this it will create an impact on whatever bills that I have to pay every month. So, you know, I would say that that is, you know, obviously truthful, but I'm going to just push a little bit more. In the Philippines, as you know, there is balikbayan culture. Mm -hmm. For those of our listeners who don't know what this is, it's a balikbayan is a big box full of a lot of gifts mm -hmm. that you are expected to bring from abroad with mm -hmm. you. So, you know, Philippines is one of the largest exporters of migrant workers around the world. And every year, if not every twice a year, everybody flies home for the Philippines around Christmas time and they have these huge balikbayans and they literally have, you have to buy gifts for everybody and you have to give money and this whole thing, right? And I remember when I hadn't been back to the Philippines for a long time. And I remember finally, I was still a student that time mm -hmm. when I came to visit, I was still in grad school. So I didn't have a ton of money. Mm -hmm. um, I had enough money for my plane ticket, which was already huge because yeah. I was flying all the way from the UK. Um, and I had enough money. I think I brought like a couple of gifts, like for you and Enang, but I didn't have balik bayan mm -hmm. levels of money. And I remember initially being like, oh, I should probably not go until I can. And feeling this like pressure. And then I was like, that's dumb. Like, why should I not see my family? Because mm -hmm. I can't pretend I have more than I mm -hmm. actually do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there is this pressure, particularly, it's yeah. not just from the OFWs, overseas foreign workers. Yes. It's also from like, there's this perception, you're a lawyer in the city, one boy. Mm -hmm. Hey, Rosalia, you work abroad? Like, there's this expectation, even though you're like, no, do you want to see my pay slip? Like, that doesn't, that doesn't correlate. But there's this thoughts, particularly in the Philippines, like, and this not just on the Philippines. I've seen this in Kenya. I've seen this all over the place. Like, whoever's abroad mm -hmm. or in the big city is, like, mm -hmm. making so much money. And, and really, you're just hiding it because, like, it must be there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can have as many times say, like, I can't afford this mm -hmm. and try and explain, especially, you know, I feel so bad for OFWs coming from America now. People think, oh, but you're so rich. You live in that big house. They're like, I have a mortgage. Like, I'm losing mm -hmm. my, I don't have all this money. Mm -hmm. Um. What do you, like what could what could that conversation look like? Because I know a lot of people in that position. Like, I was in that position where you even feel like you know ashamed yeah. to come home from Christmas yeah. if you don't have everything for, for everybody. Everyone. Yeah, and when you say everyone, like literally everyone. everyone. <laughs> yeah, and it 
also like costs a lot. <laughs> it you can know. be thousands and thousands of dollars. So, um, how to help that conversation? Yeah. I think it's on a case-to-case basis. Like, you know, like, you, like what I mentioned earlier that, you know, when there's a need, mm. then you tell them this, this is what I can afford. And when it comes to like, you know, like balikbaya, being a balikbayan or being an OFW or being like an, 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 um, somebody who works in the big city, like in Manila, where, you know, people feel like, you're earning so much, you yeah. know, because especially in my case, I'm, I'm Arte, so <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be ugly, you know. So. <laughs> it's also part of my budget, but <laughs> you know, but um, how to have this conversation? I, I honestly don't know how to put it on like a, like on a bigger scale, like, hey, this is what, but like I said, I always try to be generous so you know little by little i put in some things and that to be you know to to for for my my family like my my close family to to have something from me on you know maybe on christmas or something for their birthdays and you know not generally like grand things but you know some some gifts of appreciation or something but yeah but i always keep into my head as well that you know i always have to keep that amount in a budget and and how to communicate it i still yeah. don't know the answer <laughs> but i try to every single time that you know there, i am approached to like give this and that then that's when i tell so it's on a case-to-case basis now. okay it's not like i go there okay here's my rule number one <laughs> i don't have that i i, I can't <laughs> i also cannot yeah that's really that's actually really helpful advice i think the first thing the thing that you keep mentioning is like you're almost like I have a family emer- a family fund, and this is where you know requests, holidays, everything. Make sure that's accounted for in your budget, it, no matter how big or small. Like yeah. it can be small, but just yeah. let's not pretend the requests aren't coming in. Just have a place for it in your budget, and then treat each subsequent request on a case by case basis. But I think the bottom line, the boundary, maybe rule that maybe you're not saying, but that is implied mm-hmm. is don't give any more than you can actually afford. Yeah. Because anything beyond that hurts everyone. Yeah. And you can, you cannot also give what you don't have. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, like we're, we're actually in our, I'm actually my 10th year of working. Yeah. And to be honest, it's exhausting to be an adult. No, it's you know, it's it's. So I'm, I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm so grateful, and I'm actually I consider I actually consider myself privileged to you know to be in here. You know, like I'm not like affluent or whatever, like crazy rich or whatever. But you know, like I'm grateful that I can do these things. But I'm also I'm also cognizant of the fact that, I'll, for those ten or eleven years now. It was just like hustling. Yeah. So I yeah. also put value to that. Yeah. That whenever I feel like oh, it's, you know, like I feel discouraged, I also put value to that, that, that. Hey, it's okay. It's, you're okay. You haven't been doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I also put value to that. I also put value to the hard work that I put in it. So yeah. that's how I also like honor whatever I get from yeah. this hard work. Yeah. My gosh. I I I make I'm really excited I'm really interested to know if anybody is out here listening what you think of 
those guidelines, which is like, be generous in spirit, don't, but not to the point where it's harmful to yourself and deal with requests on a case by case basis. I'd love to know if you think those would actually work or if you're like, that would never work. Or, you know, if you have other strategies, like one of my strategies is like, uh, you know, don't respond to calls and leave town. Um, but obviously, you know, (laughs) I might have done that. that. Don't respond to calls. And I actually left. (laughs) Okay. So there are many, many strategies to dealing with finances in your big family. Um, so what are some, I would love to know from the listeners, what are some strategies that have helped you navigate your money and your family? Because, um, when has shared with us hers, I've shared with you mine, which is basically dodging everybody. Um, and I know that this is a constant struggle with so many women that we meet and that we speak to and who are part of the Bixie community. Um, it's such a struggle. In fact, that a lot of companies have come to us and said, can you help us with our female staff? Because they come to work so stressed out about money that they can't even focus at work because they have 15 million family members that they have to pay surgeries for and school fees. And, and it's just too much. One person cannot feed a village. Um, so I know that this is a really, really big topic and I, that I don't purport to try and solve in the next, in, within 30 minutes, but I would love to hear everybody else's stories and also some strategies that they have. Um, so with that being said, I really want to thank you, one boy, for joining on today's episode and being really just, and, and, and really sharing your experiences. Mm-hmm. So perhaps you can just recap your own strategies in your own words. If you had to sum it up three steps, what would you say? Um, number one, which is very impo- important for me, um, finding or creating additional sources of income Ooh. that could help actually your your money dynamic. Not 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 like create like a billion dollar source of income or like a hundred thousand pesos per month. No, three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. That goes a long way. And put some money here and there. You know, like small what does amounts. That mean? You know, our grandmother used to put like money here and there. Yeah, she used to hide it. <laughs> in her... Uh, he, he, Burying it in the ground. Like La Casa, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, like the, the storage box, which is like from the Spanish era. I don't know. <laughs> there might be ghosts there, but to be, to be fair, she has money in there. So, you know, um, now it's a different dynamic because, you know, we don't, I don't have a La Casa that I could put my money <laughs> in, but, you know, like open, like put in some Provident Fund or like, Put in like a little savings here or like an IPF here. and But when you sum it up, it could still pay, you know, like if you have an emergency, like dent on your car or like an emergency medical surgery or whatever. Mm. So yeah, that was the second. And third, which was a, a difficult lesson for me. Not because I can afford it. I will get it. Mm. Yeah. So... So, because you know, if 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 you can if you can afford it, it's fine. Then, but not. I'm trying to tell myself that not because I could afford it. Just because I, will, I can afford it doesn't mean I, will, I should get it. I should get it now. Like, yeah, that's a lot. You know, I'm hearing from your tips on managing family and finances. I'm hearing a lot of self work, which is really interesting. So hard because because. You know, when you think of family and finances, particularly as like, you know, a Western educated person, 
I keep thinking, well, what are the external boundaries you're setting? And you're like, well, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. You're saying the boundaries are within. The boundaries are, you know, making sure I have pots of money that can support myself, making sure that I can afford things, making sure that I bring in more income. It's not telling my cousin's cousin to stop asking me for money. I think that's a really interesting perspective. And I think it's really going to resonate with it. It kind of just accepts that, look, we live in more communal cultures Mm -hmm. in the global South. We all have a role to play in our family. Yes. So stop fighting against that necessarily Mm -hmm. and start fighting smarter Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, that's really pertinent and really helpful. Yeah. Because, you know, there are things I couldn't control. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will try to control things that, I mean, I will try to manage things that I can control. Yeah. So if I could control my Shopee addiction, which I've successfully managed. You have. Right? And by the way, she managed it because she did her Bixie number on the Bixie right. app. I got super scared. I got scared. Right? Like, oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. It's been over strong. a year. Exactly. Like, it's almost two years now. So, yeah. So if I could, con- the things I could control, yeah. I will try to control. I mean, I'm not there yet, guys. Don't be like pressured. Oh, she's so... But yeah, I'm not there yet. But, you know, like step by step every single day then... Yeah. So uh, yeah, your approach is very much accept that this is part of being in a family and allocate the requisite resources mm-hmm. for without it. Your det- without detriment. Not to your uh, yeah, detriment. Detri- yeah. That's wonderful. Um, thank you so much for sharing those. I really... That was very insightful. You've given me more to think about. Maybe I'll stop ignoring those phone calls. Um... <laughs> So, and thank you to everybody who showed up. Don't worry about jotting all of this amazing tips and tricks uh, down. Our Today's episode will be available on the Bixie app, along with any reference materials that can help you along your journey. So what do we always say? What's the day to take action about your finances? Today! So join the Bixie movement, download our app, visit our website, join our weekly live events online, do whatever you got to do to get that money, honey. And please join us for our next episode of Bixie Speaks, where we will once again explore the unexplored intimate territory of what we women have to deal with on a daily basis. So stay tuned for that episode. I'm your host, Rosalie Gitao, over and out. <laughs>